Hey guys, thank you for look for clicking on our podcast. Just as a disclaimer for today's episode, we talk about forgiveness and we talk about some heavy topics um, under the subject of forgiveness, like sexual abuse. And I may or may have not dropped the N-word. So just want to give you guys a heads up. If you are around children, you may want to put your headphones on or wait until you're not around children. Um, it was a, we think it was a good, a good podcast, a good episode, but it is some heavy stuff that we talked about. So just want to give you guys a heads up. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy it. So forgiveness is the topic of today, of today's episode. I can go with that. Um, and I'm just going to jump right into it. We say, I think there are two famous sayings in Christendom. Is it Christendom or Christendom? Which Christ, one? Christendom. Christen? Sometimes it is Christendom. Christendom. <laughs> I'm just, if I'm going to be real, listen, I'm a Christian, but sometimes this thing that I see is just Christian dumb, and I'm just saying sometimes what I see, which is probably half the problem, why a lot of young people are trying to stay away from the Christian dumb. Christian dumb. That's, that'll preach. I'm just um, saying what I see. So, some some some. Let's not be sayings, Christian dumb. Some famous sayings in Christian dumb. One of them is um, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. What does that mean? <laughs> That's pretty profound. Where'd you get that from? I heard some profound preacher say it, but I think sometimes we get caught up in drinking saying, saying, poison saying, and hoping the. But my thing is, my thing is, we say cool sayings, but then it's like, all right, what is like. How how does that work? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I would say that's probably correct because unforgiveness is has nothing to do with the offender, really, and has everything to do with the offended. But if it wasn't for the offender, there wouldn't be a need for forgiveness. So how can you say it doesn't have anything to do with the offender? Um, because bad things happen, and I guess the reality is how long can you carry it? See, if you if you if you can figure out how to forgive someone, then truly, I'm a firm believer you can't do it unless you understand a key component to forgiveness. And what's the key component to forgiveness? Mercy. And that is. Oh. You should ask. It just so happens I have a formal definition of mercy. <laughs> which mercy derives from a Latin word, which actually means um, price paid and wages. 
It, it, it's it's so mercy when you grant mercy. In other words, there's there's nothing else owed on the matter. The matter is done. It's over with. There's nothing. And what happens is sometimes people say, "Oh, I forgive so and so," but they still have expectations for so-and-so. So you haven't really forgiven because you've laid down expectations. Oh, I forgive them, but I'll never have dinner with them again until they, and then they, and then you set up expectations. So were they forgiven or not forgiven? So, so you're paying for what somebody did to you. I either choose to carry it or I choose to lay it down. But you just said the, the root of mercy is dealing with paying for... But whatever you the price is paid, nothing's owed. So the person owes me nothing. So who so who so who paid it? What do you mean like they like they owe you nothing? I I forgave the debt. There's no debt. I've I've wiped it off my books. I mean ultimately that's what forgiveness of Christ is about. So there's no debt. So so the price is paid. But what what I'm saying is you have somebody that does something very horrific to you. Yeah. And you have to deal with the ramifications of it. Yeah. So I like using extremes. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about like somebody stubbed your toe. Somebody is sexually assaulted. Right. One of they have which, to by the with, way, I will say that when it comes to sexual crimes, sex crimes, and even more so child cr- sex crimes, it is the and I understand, and rightfully so, I'm going to get myself in trouble already. It is the probably the biggest offense that our culture doesn't learn how to forgive. Now, it doesn't mean a person can't be held accountable. Accountability is a different thing. And so yes, let's saying, go with sex crimes. Yes. So how do you... so? So the worst of sex crimes, if we're going to the extreme of the extremes, is like child abuse. Sure. So that child had no defense. They didn't do anything wrong. This person is wacko. And they end up, or I won't, this person that's broken, if we're going to be Christian, they're not just wacko, but like they're broken. And they decide to hurt somebody else. And then this child has to go through a whole lot of stuff. And yet, if that child doesn't forgive, they have to deal with it. Okay, so this is what I think. This is what I believe. If if the child doesn't somewhere learn how to let it go, it will... It will keep them in bondage for their entire life. They will be in bondage to it. It will, it will, it will always be an obstacle and a block. Now, I'm not saying that this is an easy process. I'm not saying that you just snap your fingers and say, "I forgive them," and it's done. It's a process. I I know, I know very close people in my life who have dealt with or been. Um, the victim of even child sex crimes, where as a child they were raped more than once by someone even in the church. I know that to be true. And the 
person never had an opportunity to work through it, it actually what happened was it was pretty much swept under the rug by people who were aware. The person um, pretty much led a life of um, of regret and let uh, had a life um, that took them down the wrong path and many people blamed the offender and while the offender was wrong and while the offender should have been held accountable under the guidelines of the law um, the offended needs to figure out how to let go of it and not keep them in bondage that's a tough one it's the, probably the hardest thing it as a Christian, it, it's the hardest thing for us to walk through because we're expected. Okay, the unchurched, the non-Christian, it, that's not an expectation of them. But as a Christian, which I call myself and Christian beliefs that I try to walk through, we are mandated. When you have mercy, okay, let's go on with mercy a little farther. Mercy, definition. Compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. It's to be lenient and show compassionate treatment. It, it, it's, it's, it's synonyms for, for mercy are, are, are charity, clemency, grace, leniency, it, 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 kindness and compassion. And, and the idea that, that when Jesus forgave me of my sinfulness, he didn't just forgive me, he extended mercy, meaning that I didn't have to pay the wages for my sin. I didn't have to pay for that. Now, on earth, there's still measures of accountability, which rightfully so. We should have parameters and measures of accountability, but I don't have to put myself in the hands of, of the judicial system I don't have to become the judicial system if if I'm the victim. The judicial system is 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 just that they they pass judgment um, according to the guidelines of the law. As a citizen of the of of my particular um, home, I have to I have to not walk with anger and bitterness and hatred because that drives some core things in me that, that can be negative in so many areas of my life. Again, this is not an easy thing, and I'm not expecting someone to just understand forgiveness and mercy at the blink of an eye. True forgiveness on some of these hardest issues is a process, and sometimes a lifelong process, but the conscious effort to realize I need to forgive because until I forgive, I am still held in a form of bondage to this. And that's why your opening statement, uh, it, forgiveness, unforgiveness, is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. It, 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 unforgiveness eats us up on the inside as the offended. We, it chews us up. So that, that, that phrase or that statement puts seemingly puts everything on the victim like this thing happened to you and now it's your job to get over it and so part of the gospel i was reading um george mcdonald again and he was talking about how the gospel is for everyone so the gospel is for 
the victim, but then the gospel is also for the victimizer. Both. Right. So how do you, so how do you tell that to somebody who's going through something? It's like, hey, you got to forgive them because God forgave them for what they did to you. How so? How is that? How is that love? So like so well, like here's, if you told like if your daughter, if if your daughter went through something, and you forgave that person how how do you because god is our father and you're the you're and you're a father somebody does something to one of your children how do you forgive them for doing something to someone you love the easiest part of your question is that if it's something minor it's pretty easy i can do it the hardest part of your question is if it's something significantly tragic toward my daughter, my human mind is probably going to take a long time to process that and work through that. But again, if I'm a Christian, I am called to do that. If I can't even consciously accept that element of my faith, I think we're missing a major component of our faith. Because then we live a life where we seek vengeance. And and in some regards, we live a life always looking over our shoulder. And it's just, it's just baggage that we carry that we don't have to carry. Now, you, you said a couple, of, a couple of things at the same time in that. The idea that I need to forgive the offender because Jesus forgave the offender maybe because i'm a believer that our faith in and is based on our acceptance of what jesus did when he died for us he died on the cross for us because the price for sin is death and so he paid it for everybody for all time but i believe it's a choice to accept that so if it's a choice to accept that, and I can't say Jesus forgave the offender because did the offender, has the offender come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And, and if not, I'm not sure where they are on the forgiveness, Jane. But didn't Jesus forgive everything? It's just whether you accept that or not. That's my point. So Jesus forgave everything. But, but we have choice to whether we accept that. Can you be a Christian without accepting that? Accepting what? Christ's forgiveness. Christianity is all about, the whole concept of Christianity is accepting that Christ came to forgive us of yes. our sins. So if you Close are, the gap between me and God. So I might be switching. You saying that made me, I think we're switching focus to now forgiving yourself. So well, that Jesus, might it's not I don't think that changes focus. I think that's so you're can spot you, on. Can you can you can you call yourself a Christian if you still haven't forgiven yourself? Now now here's 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 the here's the curveball. And I, I already mentioned it once, but I, and I'll probably mention it again. Oftentimes, depending on the degree of what happened, it's a process. And we have to at least consciously work through the process yeah so before you 
you keep saying process. Sometimes. Process, process, Sometimes. Shouldn't there be an end to the process? You would hope. But once again, we're we're mere mortals. Can you call it a process if there's nothing being produced? Well, what's not? uh, So the question is, how do you measure... How do you measure productivity? How do you measure f- fruits of the labor? In, That's in, the question. In in America, I would say... Yeah, see, in America. In, yeah, and that's, and, and that's where we live. In America, I would say how to judge the process is the completed product. Because usually when I think of process... The first thing that goes through my mind is an assembly line. And you have cars. Henry Ford changed how we did things. He created the assembly line. He created the process that allowed us to create many things. And so if you if I don't if I'm the car being built. You don't call it a car until it is completed. So you saying process? Are we using the wrong word process in our in our understanding of the word process? We understand that in our Western ideologies and philosophies and mindsets that our thinking is a little off. But should we be using, do we need to change the word process? Because we may understand the the word process as something to complete. a pro, Like a system to complete production. Does that make sense? Okay. Do we so, need to be calling it a process if in our minds that means so there's an end to it when there may not be an end to this thing called forgiveness? Okay. Productivity, measuring productivity, measuring success in what you're trying to accomplish. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna dig out what you already know as what wait wait as one of my f- favorite quotes by a guy named Leo Tolstoy. Yes. Oh, you yeah you knew it. yes. How'd you figure out I was gonna go there? Yeah. So so ready ready. I I can. Go for it. Just read it. I'll read the whole quote. Oh, the whole, not just that one. Okay. It starts out, not in order to justify, but simply in order to explain my lack of consistency, I say, look at my present life and then at my former life, and you will see that I do attempt to carry them out. It is true that I have not fulfilled one thousandth part of of these Christian precepts, and I am ashamed of that, but I have but I have failed to fulfill them, not because I did not wish to, but because I was unable to. Teach me how to escape from the net of temptations that surround me. Help me, and I will fulfill them even without help. I wish and hope to fulfill them. Now, that's, that's the introduction to the key part of this quote, mm-hmm. which is, Attack me, I do this myself, but attack me 
rather than the path I follow and which I point out to anyone who asks me where I think it lies. If I know the way home and I'm walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way because I'm staggering from side to side? The idea that he, the idea that he is on the right path on this journey of life, but he's still making stupid mistakes along the way. So how do you measure progress if, if he's crawling through the gutter on each side of the road but still moving an inch or two every day? He's still making progress. Yeah, There's but, still measurable progress. But but the point is is this. Here's the biggest on, point. Hold on. But I, we tossed but we tossed around a few words. We talked we tossed out process, productivity, success, and now you're talking about progress. All, is success and progress the same thing? I think they tie they hold hands a lot. Yes. So let's talk about sports. If there's only only one person, only one team succeeds each year. Is that au contraire? Maybe one person gets the grand title every year, but many coaches will tell you how pleased they are of the progress of their team, even though they didn't necessarily yes, make no. the big dance. No, but uh, no, but uh, did they succeed? Well, it, they had measurable progress. But did they succeed? They, measurable progress, I would say, are forms of success. Did they get the grand prize? Not that year, but they had measurable progress. So, so they su- haven't succeeded yet. Well, now, so some coaches are fired because over the course of four to five years or six succeed. years, they didn't have measurable progress. Had they had a winning record, whether they won the big one or not, then 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 those people involved in his hiring would say you had been successful so, for our program. So so why do coaches that once won the championship are then fired? They succeeded already. Because you have to continue. And usually to that's succeed. because they now have an extended period where they demonstrate a lack of forward movement. So we're getting off topic. Let's get back to the idea that that forgiveness, if I don't extend forgiveness, then I can't then I remain in bondage to what was done to me. And again, so I, what is that bondage? What does that bondage look like? I don't know. It ha- it's different for so many different people. Some people have significant um, m- mental issues out of out of things done to them. Some people um, suffer physically. Um, it's variable uh, based on what was done. Again, mercy and forgiveness is not our nature. But if I call myself a Christian. I have to figure out how to extend it to the best of my ability. Even if I'm unsuccessful, totally, completely, and letting go of something, I got to figure out how to try and not let it bury me. So in that, in that quote by Tolstoy, he says, am I any less going the right way if I'm staggering side to side? So if, Apply that to forgiveness. It, so if, is it not I'm, about? So I, is it not about getting home? Is it about at least you're going in the direction of going home? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. 
And going in the right direction on a topic of forgiveness for me is that I am doing the best I can to have a heart of mercy. One of the one of the uh, one of the best reads that I had several years ago was called Amish Grace, and it talks about it's a book about it's a book about how um, this milk truck hauler goes into a Amish schoolhouse in Nichols, Pennsylvania, and um, and just brutally kills shoots a bunch of kids and how it discusses how through that tragedy without hesitation the the parents of of the kids uh, immediately went and surrounded the family of the shooter to extend love compassion mercy and forgiveness and it was questioned how they were able to do that and yet many people who are familiar with the Amish structure will tell you that um, that it it's what they're taught. It's how they're brought up. Now, an Amish, from what I little bit of knowledge I have about Amish and Mennonite culture, um, they're big to um, they will cooperate with law enforcement. They believe in the laws of the land. They 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 try to abide by them just like we do. Um, and when a person is arrested, they understand the violation of the law. Um, but they're also quick to, if they're the victim, to go to a courtroom and ask a judge to extend mercy and leniency. Now, what the judge does, they respect, whether the judge does or doesn't, but they're willing to, to, to call for mercy and leniency. And some of that is an understanding that, that my own actions – that have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've I've had leniency and mercy in a lot of things that I've done in my life. And I would say most people have done things that were never exposed. And how can you not, when you look back, as, especially as a Christian, how can you not look back and say, wow, God, you were pretty merciful that I, that didn't even get exposed in my life. So... I think this this brings up the aspect of a hierarchy of sin. Now, you say, I think there's something in the Bible that says those who haven't, those who don't forgive have forgotten what they've been forgiven of, or those who, or those who, How does how does that go? I don't know if that's a verse, but that's probably truth. It may not be a specific verse. Um but bringing in this hierarchy of sin. It was like, "Hey, at least I didn't do that." So I can think I can I can believe God has forgiven me, but I haven't done anything as bad as you. So I I lied. God can forgive me of my lying, but hey, you sexually assaulted somebody. I'm not going to put my lie on the same level as that. So just because Jesus forgave me of my lie does how does that Jesus forgiving me of something that I seem that seems to me very minuscule compared to something big 
how like how does my how does my revelation of this is what I'm saying. How does my revelation of Jesus forgiving me of something that I deem small help me forgive somebody else for doing something that that I deem larger? My beliefs batter. My beliefs start with the simple bat batter. Is that correct? Batter? More bad? More bad, batter or better. My beliefs center on this principle. All have sinned. And furthermore, all have sinned and f- fell short of or out of grace with God. Wait, wait. And because all have sinned, the payment, this is my belief system, the payment for that is death. So are you wait, saying there's wait, no hierarchy to sin? Wait. Other than the unforgivable. I, I'm getting there. So, so if all have sinned and that fall, takes us out of good standing with God, we, we, we fall from his mercy, we fall out of his, um, fall short of his glory. If all have sinned and if the wages of sin is death, that means there's a price to be paid. Well, again, my faith is centered on the fact that, that Jesus came to the earth and paid that penalty of death on my behalf. Now, I think what we get tied up with when it comes to levels of sin is forgetting. Now, for accountability on planet Earth, there's different levels of accountability based on different levels of wrongdoing. And sometimes, as Christians, the wrong, go back to Christian dumb, um, emphasis on the dumb. Um, sometimes in Christian dumb, we're going to get in trouble with this new phrase I, of ours. I, I, I love it so much. <laughs> I um, love it so much. Sometimes in Christian dumb, we're we're condemning people at the highest level for the littlest sins because all have sinned and sin is sin and sin and sin is sin. Okay, so basically, yes, sin is sin. However, I love to use this passage in in the Bible that that says that there is a sin that doesn't lead unto death, and that really messes with people's brain. And, and, and the idea that that there's actually written in in our Bible that we like to slap people up side the head with, and and it, and it says in there it says if someone if we see someone who commits a sin that does not lead to death, that we go and pray to God and God's going to give life, and, and it. And and it says that there's sin that does lead to a death. And it says all wrongdoing is sin. And there's a but there's a sin, sin. Not all sin leads to death. But what's there's one sin that leads to death. And that's not that one sin that leads to death, is not accepting. The work of the cross. Hold on, you said there's one sin that leads to death. Denying Jesus. Hold on, but because the the moment question, the moment we accept Him, our sins are no longer seen in the eyes of God. So that verse is after you, after you have joined into a relationship with God. Because if all sin, if the wages of sin is death. 
but there's only one sin that leads to death. Like, how do you, that doesn't add up to me. There's only one guaranteed way to face the wage of sin. Don't accept Christ. After that, your flesh is still going to have problems. And thank God I have the mercy of Jesus Christ when my flesh still sins. And so as we get to forgiveness and mercy, thank you, God, for extending mercy to me because of my relationship with you through your son, Jesus. So the result is, is I have to step back and go, God, please have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Jesus, one of, greatest, one of the greatest statements of forgiveness was on the cross. And when I say that, most people immediately think of the thief on the cross. Oh, contraire. Yes, that was a great act of forgiveness with the thief on the cross when Jesus said, hey, don't worry, today, because of your decision, you're going to be with me in paradise. On this day, I'm declaring that for you. And it's significant. What is often overlooked is hanging on the cross, he looks down at the soldiers who are torturing him, beating him, have been beating and torturing him since the night before, stripping of his clothes, spitting on him, smacking him upside the head. And, and he looks down and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's crazy. That, that's crazy, insane levels of forgiveness. And yet we, we're asked to try to take on the character of Jesus. It's not easy because we're human, but we got to try. And, of course, we know what happened shortly after. He takes his last, last breath. There's an earthquake, and the temple has damage. The, the veil gets torn in two from top to bottom. And, and then all of a sudden, everybody, including the ones who were torturing him, are like, oh, dude. That, that really was the Son of God. So why, so why should we, what's on the other side of forgiveness? Like what does this freedom look like? Because I, I'll say for humans, a lot of times if we don't see the benefit for us in it, eh, why am I going to do it? I, I was talking with someone in my office last week and and um, in the conversation, it was a different topic, but in the conversation, something they said fits is I have to remind myself that this isn't my home. I have to remind myself that this isn't my final destination. I have to remind myself that I'm just passing through planet Earth. And so because of that, I have to, when I go through stuff where I've victimized brutally, I have to figure out ways to say, well, God, ultimately, and and this is a cool verse I love, ultimately, in, in the wording in this particular verse I know in the Bible, I, it's, it's unique. It says, though my flesh be destroyed, not pass away, not quietly put in the earth. It's interesting that it uses that word, though my flesh be destroyed, yet with my eyes I'll see God. And so when it comes to forgiveness and mercy, the idea is that 
I, I don't have to win on earth. I don't have to come out on top. There's times people will. People will be, like we talked in our last podcast, success and, and wealth can be used for great things for God and and, by, and, and in and of themselves are not bad. But, but guess what? Not everyone's going to win. Not everyone's going to have their measured of success that they wanted. Not everyone's gonna gonna end up um, with with the dreams that they had. It, it just doesn't work that way. It, it it's just like the idea if everyone was a leader, well, who's following? And so and so when it comes to forgiveness and mercy, the idea that that I don't have to win on this side, I don't of of heaven I, I, while I'm on earth. It would be nice. It would be comfortable. It would make things a whole lot easier for me, but at the end of the day, I have to remind myself, I don't have to win. God's got it. It still hurts, and sometimes it hurts a little longer than I want to, and I've said this to people before, too, that saying that says, um, time heals all wounds, I, I, I don't think it's true. Some wounds... You carry the pain for your entire life. I have very good friends of mine. They lost their daughter um, about 10, might be even 11 years ago now. Tragically, a senior in high school, died in a car accident. And as, I, and as I've ministered to them and, and been friends with them and, and, and talk with them, um, 11 years later, sometimes... It gets just as hard as that same day, and then sometimes it gets easier. And the idea of time heals all wounds, that's a deep wound. It might not heal on this side of heaven. And that's when you have to remind yourself, I'm not, I'm not here to win necessarily on this side. I can, and sometimes God sets me up for the wins that people recognize, but at the end of the day, my relationship with God is all about something that goes beyond earth. I have something bigger than I, I die at 76 years old. What a great life. He lived for 76 years, and he had a good life. My, no, my faith is built on the fact that, that, that the measurement of my life, the span of my life, isn't, it, 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 it isn't the accolade. The accolade is I spend eternity with God. So I'm gonna get personal, like you're personal. Like I'm not getting personal with my stuff. I'm gonna put you in the hot seat, and if you don't want this in the podcast, we can edit it out. But you said from the pulpit before that you were that you are a victim of child abuse. Sure, I was sexually molested. Um, I had, uh, I had. Um some significant um, physical punishments in my life. Uh, my younger brother in 1969, he died uh, a victim of child abuse um, when it wasn't as, as exposed as it is today. He was, he, uh, um, you know, he was, he was 18 months old. Um, and, and yeah, I've, I've, I've experienced the ugly. So where are you in the process of forgiveness? So, so for my grandmother, who had a significant influence in my life, I, I, I don't know how, but this lady was as close to a saint on earth as I could ever imagine, 
who somehow just loved everybody through everything. I, I just don't know how. And so she was a shining example for me. And um, she would always say things like, well, James, just let it go. Well, James, why do you let that bother you? Um, and um, and when it comes to, like, my brother, uh, I would say through her influence, um, I, I never had I, – I, I can't say I had anger toward the man, but rather sadness. Like – Sad that he was, he 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 was capable. Sad that he, it was it was a hurt for him. It was a hurt that 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 he could do such a dastardly thing, it, it, a sadness. And and like when I think about people who, who have sexually molested me, I I think again it's it's like a instead of being angry and mad, it's like sad for them. Like how could you, how could you and and. And and a desire for them, no matter where they are in life, to at least have a genuine um, relationship with God through Christ. And then and then even if a person goes to prison, the idea that I do believe in in jailhouse conversions when they're genuine, when they're real, and I do believe as someone who even who even has to face the ultimate penalty in our society i believe that they can truly accept god and love god and what jesus did even paying their ultimate penalty um and i guess my sadness is centers out of a hope and the hope that that person can can have a uh, a change in their heart a revelation of their wrongdoing and a genuine sincere heart of 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 rejecting and repenting what they did, I I think about I think about I gotta be careful because I don't want to ever expose somebody that's not the right thing for me. But I I do think about a person who who did sexually molest me when I was young, and while I still had interaction with that person through most of my life up until probably um, my early twenties. Um, and then that relationship just kind of just through distance disappeared. Um, and the person was a relative and not living in my home. And many decades later, that person died. And the, nobody knew what had taken place when I was a kid. And I was actually asked to be the one to officiate the funeral and I couldn't and I struggled with that idea of whether I lacked forgiveness or not and I never thought about it to that moment and I went to a longtime friend and mentor of mine who I hold in high esteem and um, was talking with him and and is this right? Should I f- feel this way? Is am I lacking something? And I thought I put this behind me. And and he assured me that that I probably had forgiven. It's just that emotionally, I wasn't ready to take that on, and that that it would dig up too much. And so he he kind of assured me that it wasn't a forgiveness issue, but rather 
because I, I do pray she, that this person went to heaven. I do pray that this person loved Jesus Christ. I do pray that they, and I, and I never saw anything bad for this person's life. And as he assured me that it wasn't, a, at that moment, it wasn't so much a lack of forgiveness as it was just, it, was, it wasn't a healthy emotional time for me. And there's a difference. And so that goes into the, another famous phrase dealing with forgiveness. People say forgive and forget. <laughs> Do you have to? We can't. I had a pastor say to me many years ago, stuck with me forever. Jesus forgives and forgets. Christians forgive. So, we can't. That's our problem. So, which is why we have to learn more and more. We have to. That's why we, we struggle to learn the idea of mercy because we struggle with the idea of letting it go. So, which I is why been, in First Corinthians it says that part of the characteristics of of love is we keep no record of wrongs. But that's our problem, and we're not going to all. I don't think anybody's capable of mastering it. So part of our our sin is struggling with forgiveness. That's why there's a sin that doesn't lead unto death. We still struggle with forgiveness, but we are forgiven because of our acceptance of Christ. And and it and it and it's just it's it's a it's an extreme dichotomy of thought and I just have to walk by faith. And I know we you have can't to, forget. Again we I can, can't forget. Again we, we can, can't forget. Again but we try. <laughs> Again, we can continue this conversation forever. I want to change change the focus from what someone does to you. So you so you have gone through something very extreme. By some people's standards. Right. I would say by most people's standards, you have gone through something. If there's a like you've gone through there are probably a number of things that are on the same level. That would probably be on that extreme level. And yet I consider myself extremely blessed and fortunate in my life. And so that is what happened to you. What do you say towards people that can't forgive themselves? That's just a tough one. What do you say? So, so, so you got, so you, so you got personal, so I'll get personal. It's hard for me to forgive myself from, I'm not going to even say my struggle with pornography. I'm going to say my choice of indulging in pornography. And that has affected my life. So how do I forgive myself when I'm still living with the ramifications of choosing that type of entertainment so my question to your question you hate it when i do that my question to your question is are you trying trying what to forgive myself yes i've never actually thought about that i don't think i am i think you are I think you are, and that's why it bothers you. And, 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 so, and so because you think you are, 
because be, I'm sorry because you because you think about it and it, and it bothers you. That means that something internal in, in you is trying to let go of it, even though it's still a struggle. So guess what? You're on the path, staggering drunkardly, drunkardly from side to side, but it's not any less still the way home. So you are trying to process that that act of forgiveness even within yourself or it wouldn't be an issue to you you wouldn't care boya drop the mic no i'm gonna pick it back Boom, up no, no i'm gonna pick it back up because you're saying tr- so you're saying trying is enough if it's with sincerity absolutely not like oh, I'll give this a try, and then you quit tomorrow. No, so so the, the fact that, yes, the, all right. The fact that it eats it. You try, uh, yes, I get that. I get that. You try, but at some point, at some point, like people always talk about about like a breakthrough, and I've said this, and that breakthrough isn't in a moment, and I've and I've I've said this before, like breakthrough isn't a moment. Like you have to keep going, and then if you just do. One more thing, you never know. You know Your this breakthrough dude maybe right there. You know this dude Paul, but, right? But but my question is, so like an an analogy when I'm teaching that or talking about that, an an analogy that I use is if you're using a sledgehammer to break through the to bring through a wall, it's not gonna happen on the first swing. But if you keep going, eventually you're gonna break through. But if it takes too long, you're gonna like some people are gonna give up. Ready? So what do you tell? So Ready? What do you say to people who are trying? I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with your brain now. Hold on, let me finish my question. <laughs> what do you say to people who are trying and they're not getting to the point of of success? Okay, I'm gonna mess with your brain now. Let me get this out. Okay. If you got a sledgehammer and you walk up to a wall and, and and it's a glass wall it's not too thick hang on I'm going somewhere boom easy swing you walk up to a wall it's got you know your standard wall bar board up on it boom two strikes I got through you take that sledgehammer and you go up to a triple thick concrete brick wall fortified with rebar and you can hit that thing with a sledgehammer all day long and it's not going through. You need a bulldozer or you need some sort of crane with a swing. And so with your wall analogy, you can't always break the wall on your own. But now, now I go to this dude named Paul, you know, the guy who wrote like two thirds of the new Testament, that one. And Christians love to throw throw his life around and, and and especially the part where he like cried out to God three times for a thorn in his flesh. Now I tend to think that that is a metaphor for crying out more than three times. I, I, I believe that that's just, just a metaphor for his repetitive desire to have the thorn removed. So, so from that perspective, what was the thorn? 
Well, some theologians will tell you he he struggled with with his sexuality. I've heard some some theologians would tell you. Well, he struggled. I haven't heard that one. You haven't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, and then I've heard that some some people suggest that he struggled with with a marriage that he walked out on. Some I've heard these as concepts. Some people say that it was something physical that he had to get over. Why? Which ones have you heard? Uh, he was dealing with sight issues, like him being blind. Okay, um, so here's my question: Where do we get any of these theories from? Because here's the real answer: Nobody knows. And here's here's the hard part: uh, Maybe he was sexually abused when he was a kid. I don't know, and he has to walk with that 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 memory. Uh, um, maybe he dealt struggled with sexuality, and he's got a and he's struggling with that issue. Well, I, I don't know what it was, but God said, "Paul, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not taking that away. You'll carry that. Just, just deal with it, and know that my grace is all you need." And what people don't realize about that verse is it wasn't. When he, when God's when God replied, "My grace is is all you need." The core emphasis of that verse in that context was was Paul on Earth. You're going to deal with that, but remember, your destination is at home with me. That's the grace God was referring to. That's the grace. And you can dig that up in some commentaries and, and find that. That's the grace that, that God was referring to, not, oh, I'm going to make it a happy-go-lucky for you down there. It was, Paul, no matter what you deal with, the, the fact that you get to spend your eternity with me is all you need, which is why he was able to go through being shipwrecked, which is why he was able to go through being bitten by a poisonous snake next to the fire and shake it off, which is why he knew he was going to be imprisoned when he got to Rome, which is why he was dealing with uh, with, with his beating, which is why he ultimately de- had uh, dealt with his death, because he he come to the conclusion that even if he was a victim, because he was a victim as a Christian um, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, because, because he paid a heavy price. He was he was victimized, just like Jesus was. Many disciples they were they were victimized. They they were and and they still preached to their death. Stephen the martyr getting stoned in the head. He was victimized because they come to the conclusion: I don't have to win on this side of heaven because it's ultimately all about my destination with God. And so when people are victimized. If we can just at least acknowledge that I, I need to find a way to let go of that. And and just when you said forgiving myself, just the fact that that's a concern to you means that you're working on it. And that's why I say the process of forgiving others is the same way. If you weren't concerned, you wouldn't be working on it. And so what is the – I understand that getting over it i understand that eternity is the focus or should be the focus what is the comfort right now of i may i may never i may never forgive this person i may never forgive myself i may have to carry this for for the rest of my life but Maybe. i understand 
But I under, But I can do that. But even because if I, I carry understand. this, God, I know you love me. I know that you're carrying me. I know that you're bringing me through. And that's the comfort. God's love is the comfort. There, to me, there's no other greater comfort. That's the comfort you get in a foxhole in the middle of the war. That's the comfort you get when you're starving in a in in in, in a in a country in Africa that that that's very poor. That's the comfort you get when you're when you're being lined up on a beach and getting ready to be beheaded for your faith. That's the comfort you need when when you can't feed your children. That's the comfort. It, it, it's the ultimate underlying comfort that we have to 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 rest on. And 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 the reality is, in this country, our comforts are my sneakers, my my PlayStation, um, my Gucci handbag, my Chrysler 300 that's all decked out with a sunroof, uh, my Harley Davidson, my, my my house with the super thick soft mattress. And my comfort is watching people have to pay for their penalties that for the things they did against me, and now I have comfort. Somehow I have comfort. It, it, it don't make sense. Just like the idea, and I know it's out there. I'm going to step on toes again. Sorry. If you've been in with this as long, you've known already I, I, I do that. But just like the idea of... of um, my loved one was murdered, and, and I get comfort out of watching the murderer get put to death. Really? It, that brings comfort? Because your loved one's still gone. And that's sad. And I'm not, I'm not trying to play it off. Don't hear me. Your, your loved one is still gone. And so putting someone to death isn't going to bring your loved one back. I, but we have this heart of vengeance that wants to see people get what they deserved. And instead of having a sad heart that the person is even now, should a person be be held accountable? Yes. And and I don't think someone else's accountability should bring me pleasure. Ha, they got what they deserve. Really? I got to be careful when I say that, because. What happens when I get called up, and someone goes, ha, there you go, Pastor Jim, you got what you deserved. There you go, Troy, you got what you deserved. Where? What's the measuring line for that? There ain't one. Because everyone's going to make up their own measuring line. And forgiveness is part of letting go of somebody got what they deserved. I'm not taking away from the fact that accountability is necessary when it comes to different people's actions. But what I am saying is that as the victim, I can stop being the victim. I can stop being the victim. When I, I stop I being, when I, when I hear something that I, I it's not my quote, and I, I wish I could tell you where I got it from, but I can't, and some listener out there will know, but, but I, I, I stop becoming the victim, and I become the victor. I have victory over it. I've won. It no longer becomes my burden to carry. So this is definitely going to be... A part two, because now my question is, I don't, I don't know why you're doing that. 
Is this feeling like the Twilight Zone? Yeah. Is, is, is that what that was? No. But, well, kind of because the, the paradoxes are going. Your your eyes are going circles, and your brain's smoking, and you're and, yes, you're, and, I, and like, I'm bringing you twists next, and turns. <laughs> no, because my next question is if we should be okay with somebody not being held accountable. Is being held accountable needed? Yes. Why? So, so that's so that's where I'm, and so, and so this is going to go to in, into some other stuff because if we can't, if we as humans cannot determine what that line is, how do we, how do we justify accountability? Because humans will, which is why that level humans, constantly changes. Because humans will say, not humans will say. Humans have said that in 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 our country in the eighties, I believe it was the eighties, that crack cocaine deserved a harsher punishment than powdered cocaine. Pretty much the same thing, but because we don't have the correct line for accountability we're gonna jack it up well just like when i was growing up in the 70s and 80s a joint's gonna send you to jail and nowadays almost every state has got some form of legal marijuana the, the line changes my friend the line changes. and when the line changes should people be forgiven when the line changes that's i'm just saying like that that's gonna go into a whole nother topic of right. forgiveness and justice. And um, well, I so, guess, I guess so, we'll just have to wrap that up then. But today was a heavy one. Heavy. We dealt with a lot of things. What's a lighthearted story? I don't have any lighthearted stories. What are you talking about? Dead. But I do remember one time. <laughs> oh, my, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my poor sister. Yeah. I had a pony when I was a kid, but when we first got got this pony, he wanted to keep. So I got him from we got him from this um, farm that was like um, a, like two miles down the road, and um, we brought him to our house. and And he always was trying to uh, break through the fence and get back to where his original home was. and And he was very headstrong. And one time, my poor sister was riding the pony, and it took off down the pasture lot and and tore full speed through the fence and my sister gets I'm trying to picture what full speed is for a pony it's it's faster than a kid can run <laughs> and 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 my poor sister got knocked off as it went through the fence and and the horse took off running and we had to go down to the farmer's house to get the horse because it was sitting there in front of the barn just peacefully eating grass like nothing was wrong and my poor sister I don't think she's really liked horses ever since. She should forgive the horse. That's a true story. And you're crying. And it was my sister who had to suffer that pain. Why are you laughing so hard? That's a true story. And you're cracking up. What's so funny? Oh my gosh! Oh man, I just I just pictured. So I don't know how old your sister was, but I pictured a grown woman 
on a pony going full speed into a fence. That's no, what I that, that poor girl was about 13 at the time. Oh, man. Well, thank you for that one. If it wasn't funny for anybody else, it was funny to me. Um, so, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Your Next. Next. Until next time. Mm-hmm.